everybody. Welcome back to But Why Though the Podcast. And today we are outwitting, outplaying, and outlasting and talking about Survivor. As always, I'm Kate. I'm here with Adrian. Hey, how's it going? And Matt. Hello. And our very first question, and I mean, I guess I should say I'm going to be leading us through this. If you follow me on Twitter, you know that during the winter break, I binge watched about 10 seasons of the of, of the show. So I feel like I'm fairly qualified. Uh, so our first question is going to be, what is a survivor memory? Because I couldn't figure out, like, the show's 40 seasons long at this point. So I figured I would just ask, what is the thing you remember most about the series? Like, if it could be a moment, it can be, like, a theme, something like that. Awesome. I'll go ahead. First, I, you know my memory is? They killed a shark, and then they killed an endangered turtle. They killed two <laughs> sharks, actually. That's all yeah. I got. Yeah. We're going to talk about the environmental impact of Survivor and how they've been banned from an island or two. Can we talk about how they call this Survivor when people already survived there? Yep. That's a thing. Well, actually, I just figured we would just make that comment throughout everything because there's so many other controversies that I figured that was just a given. I'll figure out to start off the theme of the match. <laughs> has, has anyone died? No, but people have actually gotten real close to getting amputations. So everyone survived. Everyone's yes, a survivor. Everybody has survived. Yeah, everyone, everyone survives except this, the turtles. This show, except for the it turtles. was one turtle. There was and only like ten of them no. left. No, 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 no. That was an urban myth that it was endangered. It was just a turtle. Well, the also- worst thing, which I'll say in the conservation notes part, which you're probably going to be very mad about, has nothing to do with killing an animal. Probably how much of the destruction they do of things. Nope, it's something else awesome matt's gonna yell in science for this whole episode adrian um i haven't watched survivor in years um we used to watch it when i was younger i don't know probably trying to like think of the time but i i don't i just remember watching when we were younger before we had cable so we'd gather around and like watch like all the basic cable shows uh is this thing even still on like basic cable still yep prime time um, spot oh geez i remember just watching it there i don't have like any like vivid memories of what they did because i just remember it just being like a bunch of like white people angry all the time and then like people on other people's snakes and rats i remember that being like a big so thing you remember the first season yeah i remember the first season <laughs> <laughs> uh but to be honest i was a much bigger fan of like Road Rules Challenge once we got cable, so I stopped watching Survivor after uh, I could watch Road Rules because. So the know. thing that Survivor inspired. Yeah, basically, I like the <laughs> spinoff version better because they're no one kills sharks and turtles in that one. They're just big buff people yelling at each other. I think that's just more entertaining <laughs> <laughs> on a normal basis for me. And also, I can so Jersey whenever... Shore. Yeah, Jersey Shore, but they do challenges and like. <laughs> That that just seems more entertaining to me, and no sharks die, or turtles, and you know, they kill know, a realize. lot of stingrays. Actually, I didn't realize how many stingrays they killed for like food. Matt is dying inside, <laughs> just absolutely dying inside. And then also, I can never whenever I think of Survivor, all I think of is the Destiny Child song Survivor. So like, it's been stuck in my head all day thinking about this <laughs> recording today. So 
That's my contribution. <laughs> I might start humming, you know, Destiny's Child Survivor at some point. So I've seen every episode of Survivor at least once. I've seen most episodes of Survivor at least three times. I go through these, like, really weird phases where I just binge watch Survivor. You would think that I have CBS All Access for Picard. I actually bought it because I wanted to see the most recent season of Survivor during the winter break. Um, in which I, I binge watched probably about 10 seasons. Because uh, I forget about stuff because there's so many episodes. But I think the the most memorable Survivor moment for me is actually not really a moment. It's the entire season of Redemption Island. Because one of the players effectively starts a cult. And is really insane. And we're going to get into like how creepy it was uh, in the notes later on when we talk about social dynamics and but why those. But every time I think about Survivor, it's probably my favorite season because I think what gets lost a lot is like we focus on the whole like thing, like Matt said, these like Americans surviving in places where people already live. Um, and you miss the whole social dynamics, which are actually the most interesting part of Survivor and the parts that I like watching over like the physical challenges, even though like those are really interesting. Uh, just the way people mess with each other is 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 good, and it also gets me thinking that Matt would actually probably survive very long. Um, so my second question is: Would you do you think you could win the million dollars on Survivor? Um, probably, considering I've actually had to survive in places. <laughs> um, I don't. But it it isn't just surviving; it's social yeah. game too. Oh, I have no idea about that part. I don't know. I just know, like, when it comes to surviving, sure. Yeah, I think I'm too nice to survive in Survivor. Yeah, I don't think I do well. Like, if this is, like, road rules, I think I can survive in road rules because oh, like, there's, like, less psychological <laughs> messing up going in there. And it's more like how you can do in the challenges. But I don't know if – because like, from what I remember, people just, like, just mean, just backstabby mean and snakes and rats and stuff. And I, don't know if I, <laughs> I don't know if I have it in me to do that on literal national TV. I'm also going to talk about some of those, but I would I would ask you if if one of your friends in the game told you, "Hey, buddy, I might get voted out. Give me your immunity idol, and I won't vote you out." Would Would you help the buddy and give them your immunity idol? Are we talking about met him on the show? Or are we talking about yeah, like, met him like, on the show? Like met oh, him on hell the show? No, I ain't giving anybody anything. Adrian, Matt, you weren't. I know you wouldn't. This is not your question. It depends. I'd make a fake like idol and give it to him. Like, it feels good. I'm thinking. I mean, if it was like, if like swore, like if I got like if, if swore was on the island with me, and you know we got real close. I'm like, yes, yeah, swore. I, I I believe you. I trust you. But if it was like, if it was like Matt, I'd be like, no, nah, Matt, because you're just gonna throw me off the bus. Because <laughs> <laughs> I don't trust you to to not to not kill me to win the game. So I think it just depends on who the, on who the person is. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. It's it's. It's weird, and I don't know if I'd be able to do it. The reason I bring that up is because literally the nicest man to ever play Survivor won immunity, and then this girl talked him into giving her, giving him her necklace, and he was the last dude, and he was like the last one that was like physically capable of winning multiple times, and they voted him out that night. Yeah, that's why I yeah, said so my you don't trust is, women. Is... <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> like women don't find idols, but they get them from everybody. And yeah. it's actually really cool. I don't. Yeah, I mean, that's a good point. 
like whatever we can get added for this but i think matt already said it first so i'm just gonna agree uh i wouldn't give it to a girl because Um, if it's a physical thing i'm getting voted out i'm sorry yep (laughs) well and that's the whole thing and like it's kind of like a larger conversation that i didn't really put in here but like men find idols more often statistically because like they've been a whole bunch of breakdowns on survivor but women end up actually outlasting in some situations because they can they're better talkers and better social game players and because of that they can they can essentially do the outwit part with the exception of the man what do you mean by better talkers and better social part does that mean it's better liars (laughs) well no so they're better at building bonds and that's one of the main things is like they sustain more friendships per season than the men do which allows them to get further in. Nobody like whole, comes here to make friends. You don't, but you need to make it to the end. So that's the thing. Cause, and I'll get into like the rules here. So Just keep going here. Yeah, we I'm going to keep going, but we can talk about this. Because it's actually really it, like interesting. Because I don't think I would make it far. I think, I one, I can't swim. So I wouldn't make it at all. <laughs> but if I could swim, <laughs> if I could swim, I think I would either be the first one voted, voted out or like maybe one of the last but i would most definitely not win yeah no i think someone would call you a firecracker and then you just lose your mind and then you like stab them in their sleep i think is, is what would happen to you there has never been a stab on survivor <laughs> in 40 seasons though so uh, they stab me stab that shark oh, yeah <laughs> i don't know i think i think that i would just try to joey it up from from the circle and i and i would just hope that those my... people actually do get fairly far but they never win oh. I would just embrace my inner Joey and then hope that we can pull it out at the end. You just need to find your shoebie. Yeah, I just need to find my shoebie. That's what I was going to say. If I can find my shoebie, you know, if I can find my ride or die shoebie, I would give him my idol because I knew shoebie, shoebie wouldn't let me down. I have no idea okay. what anybody's talking about. So we're gonna... <laughs> so we're going to go over the history and rules real quick before we jump into the most interesting part, the but why those. So Survivor is an American version of an international Survivor reality competition television franchise, which is derived from the Swedish television series Expedition Robinson, which started in 1997. And Survivor premiered May 31st of 2000. It's hosted by Jeff Probst, still, who is also now an executive producer on the show. And it's also executive produced by Mark Burnett and the original and the original creator Parsons. I didn't include his first name and I don't know why. I was um, like, who the hell is Parsons? But Mark Burnett does a lot of reality TV shows. Um, but a lot of that starts here in Survivor. So the first U.S. season of Survivor followed the same general format of the Swedish uh, TV series. 16 or more players split between two or more tribes are taken to a remote, isolated location, usually in a tropical climate. So they are remote. So that is the thing. People usually don't live on the island. So essentially they go into island chains and they'll find, like they do Fiji a lot is the most used place. And so they'll pick one of the uninhabited islands of that area and then they'll drop them in there. Um, So they are uninhabited. Um, and then they're taken to a remote location, usually in a tropical climate, and are forced to live off the land with meager supplies for 39 days. Uh, it was 42 days in the Australian Outback, which was uh, season two. They go through frequent physical and mental challenges and are used to pit the team that are used to pit the teams against each other for rewards, such as food or luxuries or for immunity, forcing the other tribe to attend tribal council where they must vote off one of their tribe mates. So 
the halfway point of the game is marked by both tribes merging and becoming one. So the main kind of like goal for anybody who plays Survivor is to at least make the merge. Um, and you want to make the merge because with numbers. So the strategy in Survivor shifts in two ways. So when you come in, you're voting off the weakest players because you need your team to keep winning immunity so that when the merge happens, you have the numbers and you don't have to worry about the other tribe coming in and voting you all off. But once the merge happens, you want to take out the strongest competitors physically because if they continually win individual immunity, you lose the chance of doing it yourself. So you have this switch up in like the psychological component, which is really interesting and seeing players adapt to that gameplay style is also intriguing. And this style of play switches from the first season and we're gonna be in 40. So like obviously people have learned by watching in the beginning, like there weren't any alliances really. People just voted whoever they didn't, whoever they didn't like, like it was a lot more of a crapshoot. Whereas now, um every from the moment they get off the boat and know their teams they're strategizing or they're trying to go for advantages in the game so um is this so with the, the standard for like all reality shows because like at least hell's kitchen and all them do the same thing yep yes uh so anything that's team-based uh so team-based reality shows and any sort of competition shows this starts in survivor like, Survivor is one of the very first, uh, actually, I think it is the first American competition show that there is. Before that, it was just, like, hitting camera or, like, everyday life type things. And this was a hybrid bringing in the Big Brother element as well as adding in the competition. Yeah, that was going to be my question. Was this, Is Survivor before or after Big Brother? Because it seems kind of similar in, like, the... After. After? Cool. Yeah. Do people care about Big Brother still? Yeah, it's still going on. It's still going on too? Yeah. Oh, man. Oh, they have like an entire, if I remember correctly, I think the UK has an entire channel dedicated to it, so you can actually watch it 24-7. That's crazy. No wonder society sucks. I mean, I don't know if you looked into this, but with the Expedition Robertson or whatever, did it have like the same similar rules or did they really like switch it up a whole bunch for the U.S. version? So it had the exact same rules when it first starts out. And then as the U.S. version has continued, they've changed the rules substantially. Um, And not necessarily changed the rules so much as added in so many other elements of the game that it looks completely different than it did from season one. And a lot of that is because, like I said... um, people watch and because you have now a set of people coming in who are who know the strategies who are exposed to different seasons they're able to play the game differently and so in order to adapt to more and more people coming in with knowledge of the game they've had to change it and throw kind of twists in every season uh which we'll talk about pretty much which we'll have to we're going to talk about a little bit later because it's also been some of the decline of the show from the fan perspective um so at this point At the point of the merge, survivors compete against each other to win individual immunity, and winning immunity ultimately prevents the player or team from being voted out at Tribal Council. Most players that are voted out after the merge um, form form the game's jury, and once the group gets down to the final three people, it used to be final two, so I believe it's season 15, they switch from final two to final three to avoid ties. Um, but that's a new addition. Um, 
the final tribal council is held and each of the remaining players have to plead their case to the jury and then the jury then votes for the player that they survive that they believe should be the sole survivor so the reason that the jury vote is interesting is because it, it takes into two things there have been people on survivor who literally just ride coattails they don't make anybody mad they were kind of everybody's friends but they don't end up winning because they didn't do anything i would so trade like, you for a dishwasher <laughs> <laughs> so as the game has gone on so when the game first starts the people that are winning jury votes are those people. They're the people who were the friends. They're the loyal people. They're the ones that never shifted. And then once you hit about season nine, you end up going down this path of people starting to, like, they stop being angry at people who mess, who, who, who screw them over. It sometimes happens because sometimes they screw them over really badly. <laughs> um, and you see more people appreciating gameplay. So once that shift happens, the jury votes, if you don't do anything, you will not win. Um, that being said, if you make somebody too angry at you, you also won't win. So like the nice way, or the essentially the winner is somebody who can both make huge moves in the game, pull off a blindside or two, um, but yet still have enough charm and sympathy from the jury to make it past that point. Um, also, sympathy is why people get voted out. They'll vote out the old people, anybody who has a sad story, <laughs> because they know that that would win over the merge. So now what's happened is people start either hiding their backstory um, or fabricating it so that they can kind of use that to their advantage. Yeah, Adrian, I don't think you would survive that long in Survivor. <laughs> yeah, no. I didn't, I, I saw, didn't someone like lie about like their mom dying or something yeah so i have that in in the notes too and i'll bring it up here because it probably is a perfect illustration he lied about his grandma dying uh johnny fairplay is like i would punch that dude straight in his face oh they wanted to so johnny fairplay is probably one of the worst human beings to have ever played this show very misogynistic low-key racist like never said anything overt but it was definitely there and then in the final and in the challenge with his grandma he walks up to his friend because it was the loved one's visit and the first thing he says to his friend is how's grandma and the friend like okay the friend was right or die he's like okay we're doing this i don't know man and he just lets johnny keep with the story and is like i'm sorry man she died And then oh everybody God. felt so bad that they purposefully got rid of their own family members so that he could have time with his friend to talk about his grandma dying. And when they found out, they were pissed. Because the funny thing is that, Jeff, and, and this is probably like my favorite part of the show, is watching Jeff Probst, who knows the truth about all these people and can't say anything. So he will either like throw real shade, uh, like my favorite one was when a couple, uh, the guy had immunity and the girl ended up getting voted out and they kissed each other. And after they kissed, Jeff Probe said, man, but if it was real love, he would have given you that immunity necklace. (laughs) Like as the seasons have gone, his chill has lost. He has no chill at all. Um, But yeah, so that happened. Uh, and there are other things that happen too. There's also self-tribe sabotage. 
where like people purposefully dump out their rice or hide flint. Uh, actually, season 37, I think it's 37 or 38, uh, this girl who actually looked a lot like Stefani <laughs> when I watched it, <laughs> she uh, hid the flint for her team because she didn't want them to kill the chickens. Oh. And then she let <laughs> all of the chickens go. We'd be eating when they you found the flint. <laughs> we eat, we eat turtle tonight. <laughs> She got eliminated. <laughs> and then they killed all the chickens. It was actually very sad. And in that moment, I was like, oh, yeah, I don't know if I could do the whole animal thing. <laughs> um, so continuing on, uh, in all of the seasons of the U.S. version, excluding the 40th season, which has a higher price cap, which I'll explain when we get to that, that part, uh, each season has included a $1 million prize in addition to the Soul Survivor title. And some seasons, particularly earlier seasons, included additional prizes offered during the game, such as a car or fan favorite prizes. So kind of like the Miss Congeniality Award, like the favorite character that or fa the favorite person that season will get like $250,000. Or like when they had all the big sponsors, they would be like, and you win a car. And that they did the whole like keep your hand on this car for the whole thing. And that was what? very, yeah, they did, they pulled them out of the middle of the jungle, in the middle of the heat, and were like, hold on to this damn car. And I think it it ended up going like 12 or 13 hours before everybody dropped out. Yeah, but... so this is the part, this is the part where I was going to ask, how worth it is this show? <laughs> like, if you don't win, you just spent, what, 40 days in the jungle? You lose yeah, a lot of weight. How worth it is that? You, lose a you lot do of lose a lot of weight. You want to get in shape, you're going to get it. Somebody <laughs> lost a whole person. I think his name was like Big Ben or something. He was, he was like just a country guy. Six foot five. Wore overalls with no shirt all the time. Like that's just how he showed up. He didn't lose his shirt in the process. He just wasn't there. Or big, big, it was Big Tom. That's what it was. His name was Big Tom. Big dude. Talked like the Cajun guy from the Water Boy hilarious because they tried to subtitle it to like for him to talk because nobody understood what he was saying <laughs> um he lost a whole ass person he lost like 110 pounds jesus yeah it was yeah. crazy is it worth it <laughs> um so it depends on what your life is like before the show because some people have lost their jobs after being on the show um because of their behavior on the show <laughs> Yeah, I can see that for sure. <laughs> but all contestants are paid on a sliding scale based in the order that they're voted out. So no matter where you come out, you do win money. Um, and it is only for 39 days. So technically it could be worth it if it's, it's like a summer vacation make in 39 Adrian. days. Um, <laughs> so the first player voted out has been given $2,500. And then the amount increases from there. And then some of the seasons that have featured returning players, they've had to pay those returning players to get them on the show in the first place. Uh, so Survivor All-Stars, which is season 10, was the first season to have just all people who had been on the show before, which included some winners, some not winners. Uh, I don't know what the, how they thought it was going to go. All the winners got voted out first because they were like, nah, man, you won your million already. Get out. <laughs> Yeah, um, makes a lot of sense. I hate all stars of reality TV shows. And all of those payouts started at $5,000. And then Winners at War, which is 40th season, has a minimum of $25,000. Oh, 
So everybody who was on that show all got paid at least $25,000 to be on it. For a second, yeah. third, fourth, or fifth time. Yeah, I'd just be like, hey, you all suck. <laughs> Vote me out so I can go home. <laughs> I got paid already. <laughs> for 25000 For 25000 I'm killing all the turtles. For 25000 <laughs> For one day of work? Come on now. I'm letting out all the chickens. I'm hiding all the flint. So does that answer your question? Because essentially you can go on this jungle adventure for 10 days and make $2,500. Or, or actually yeah, I didn't... one day and make $2,500. Yeah, so I didn't know that if you got voted out, you got paid out. So I guess that's kind of worth it. I guess depending on like what you're... Yeah, yeah that's pretty worth it. And when we get in... <laughs> If you don't do anything, like, ridiculous in that first day and no one, like, fires you, I guess it's, it's kind of worth it. And I will Let's say... Let's sign up. Let's go, Matt. Yeah. I will say, it's worth it unless you get a, a flesh-eating disease, which has happened. The U.S. version has introduced numerous modifications and twists, like I already talked about, that uh, deviate from the core rules. And these have included tribal switches, seasons starting off with more than two tribes, the ability to exile characters, uh, or exile characters, exile they're people all characters. from people. your tribe. <laughs> uh, the way they're casted, yeah, they are characters. Um, and then ultimately uh, giving people immunity idols as well as secret advantages, which is really when the game gets crazy, where it's something like, use this piece of paper to vote twice. Um, that only happened like three times, but it gets crazy. Um, and then now they also have uh, any uh, a final four fire making challenge that happened at the end of season five, but... Uh, their way to avoid ties, especially with all this twist, because they have so many things at play, is if you have a solid tie, um, in the early game, you draw rocks. So it's like one of the, so you essentially, everybody goes into a bag, the person with the right white rock goes home. Um, that doesn't happen too much because people realize that, like, I'm here for a million dollars and I'm not going to put my, my luck in rocks. Uh, and then fi the final piece is if there's a tie at the end. It's a fire making challenge. So whoever can make fire and burn through the rope the fastest is the person who wins. Okay. So on to our boat why those. Uh, the first one is longevity and success. So the show's been on since 2000. It's hitting its 20 year anniversary. And from the 2000 to 2001 through 2005, 2006 seasons, its first 11 season competitions were rated the top 10 most watched shows of those years. It's also commonly considered the leader of American reality TV because it was the first highly rated and profitable reality TV show and broadcast television in the US. And it's also considered one of the best shows of the 2000s overall. The first season, which is now called Survivor Borneo, was filmed during March and April of 2000 and was first broadcasted in May. And this ended up being its first rating success, which led to its ongoing run. Which leads us to where we are today with 39 seasons, with the 40th coming out when this episode goes up, all of which have maintained the primetime spot midweek. So when it first started out, it came, it premiered on Thursdays at 8 o'clock, which is primetime. Now it actually premieres Wednesdays, and it's, it, it's never shifted from that primetime spot. NBC has always had it, or CBS has always had it there. Um, in 2018, CBS pointed out that Survivor was, the 2018 season of Survivor was essentially uh, the night's number one program in viewer numbers for the 11th time out of 12 weeks. Uh, so that's a lot. 
at that at that point like it is still competitive cable television but then you can have your whole argument are people really watching cable television anyway so it's like the winner of nobody really watching tv that kind of stuff um it's filmed it has been filmed in over 18 in, in 18 countries with the majority of the seasons taking place on different islands in fiji mainly because they didn't piss off fiji so fiji keeps letting them come back because they pissed off off they pissed off a lot of other places that didn't want them to go there anymore um and it has seven emmys and is nominated for i think it's like 20 something um the nominations they all lost recently so like they, they've had a streak of emmy losses so i didn't feel it was important to include them other than they have seven uh, uh so i mean if they're doing it been around since 2000s 2020 39 seasons so i imagine they premiere the seasons twice or has it just like been a thing where sometimes they do it more than more than twice but they so i'm just like when do they do they just film this thing like all the time and then just pump out the episodes is it like a backlog thing where they have like 20 20 seasons stored up right now because it only takes them two months to film the show so initially it was coming out yearly and then it switched to coming out essentially you're not too far off by saying there's always a season of survivor in production so once one wraps they start production again and the reason they do this is because they end up plugging the next season in the season finale of the last season oh gotcha. um it also allows them uh, so sometimes this works sometimes it doesn't so uh, there have been some issues with like some of the specialty episodes where they wanted a character or a character, a person to come back and they actually can't bring them back because they made it far in the last game. Um, and so there's just a lot of overlap that oh, happens. Okay. I can see that. Um, but by and large, the standard is two seasons per year now. Um, how, how much if this dude is doing this show almost all year how much is Jeff getting paid what is his he's uh, executive producer now I have no idea but he's probably getting paid a lot Jeff gets bored and just sits around islands all day making fun of people this dude that, what Matt said Jeff Probst just lives his best island dream life making <laughs> like literally just burning people all the time because he's he's bored and has fun the the crazy thing is if you watch from the early seasons to the to the current seasons when people are like failing at challenges, he just makes fun of them the entire time. Like they're running like emaciated across a board and they keep falling. He's like, wow, you really can't stay up there, Diane. <laughs> yeah. Uh, CelebrityNetworth.com. I don't know how accurate that website is, but it's the first one that came up. But his net worth is $40 million. And he earns a $4 million salary per year to host the show. Host the show for, for two months. For two months, this dude just <laughs> like, this dude just rips into people for four million dollars on a beach, oh, on yeah. a beach. And you know he's saying like a nice cabana, chilling in Fiji because Fiji is beautiful. He's chilling. He might be drunk oh, yeah. through half these episodes. Probably. <laughs> I would. Now, I, I will say the best parts are the best the best the best parts of some of the episodes are where Jeff loses his like cool and a lot of it is when people are like being he calls it like disrespectful to the game like the first time that people throw a challenge he lost he loses it and like he straight up says well i'm not giving you fire because you lost the game i was gonna <laughs> give you fire but you threw it no fire for you <laughs> um and he like it is one of those things and i guess i should have made jeff propes his own but why though but like the man is very heavily invested in the game. And I would say, like, when you watch him give interviews and you watch him during a lot of the stuff, like, as much as it's, oh, yeah, he's paid to be there. Like, he moved up from just being a host to being an executive producer and has invested a lot of time into it. 
so much as even setting up charities and starting charitable work from the money that Survivor makes specifically by selling off pieces of the previous seasons. Uh, like, he handpicks all the charities and stuff like that. Um, I mean, the guy still makes $4 million, like, a year, so, like, it's not that big a deal. But uh, he is somebody who is invested, so it has been a really interesting thing to watch this as the seasons go on. Like, he, he has no chill and makes fun of everybody now, but there are moments where he just loses his absolute cool. And it, it, it's, uh, it's when they're disrespecting the game or they're being really disrespectful to each other, which has happened a lot in, like, the last five seasons. Yeah. Is um, he, I mean, because we, we've talked about, like, game shows a couple times throughout um, you know, our recordings. Is he, like, one of the longest-running hosts of a reality show ever? I don't know. Because even when we did, you know, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, like, we just didn't do it for that long. Yeah. So Trebek um, is doing the this thing for. Well, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm talking about like reality show wise. Oh, That's what I'm saying. Like, I, I guess it kind of comes down to because like this is a reality yeah. show, but technically it's still a game show. Yeah, yeah it's still a game show. Yeah. So I guess it's be know. up there though. I think he has to be straight? up there. Yeah. yeah I mean, it, I guess with, it depends. With no, with no breaks or anything. Mm-mm. He's never had co-hosts or anything like that either. Like it's just been him living his best island life. Now I hope that Jeff Probst is drunk during some of the early challenges. Yeah. Did you hear that too? Yeah. Um, so that brings me to our second but why, though, and something I've already talked about a little bit. It's my favorite part of Survivor, and that is the social dynamics. Um, so this is what the show is known for and why it clicks with a lot of fans. And the way that all of the seasons are set up now is to essentially put people into this automatic either kinship or just at each other's teeth for the most part um, to really breed that social dynamism. And so uh, some of the examples, not necessarily my favorite seasons, but some of the cool things that they did um, where you got to see a lot of those differences and similarities were fans versus favorites. So that season they brought back, um, they just had huge super fans of Survivor playing against some of the like the top tier Survivor players. So the ones that everybody liked that consistently won, or not consistently won, but like always had the top fan vote. Blood versus Water was the funnest, or the most fun, because it was just like it sounds. Essentially, everybody got put onto tribes with a family member. And so like people went on there with their mom, people went on there with their husbands and wives, people went on there with their brothers and sisters. And uh, for the elimination challenge, uh, you would get two people put into like a gladiatorial style arena and they would have to like essentially fight each other to stay on the show. And one of my favorite ones that happened was between a husband and wife couple and their challenge lasted forever because they would not let each other win. So, like, that was cool. And then you had the ones with, like, the mom. The mom was like, it's okay. I'll step out. And then you have, like, the ones where people backstab each other. And that was even better because they were family. Um, so that was a really fun one. Um, but I, I think there the standouts were always the couples because, like, they even, like, talked to them. And, like, they were like, oh, yeah, no, prior coming to the show, we are like, I'm going to win. He might win. But we're both going to win ourselves. <laughs> um, and so they took former contestants with their their family member um yeah. if, seeker, if seeker hitler's taught me anything 
you shoot you shoot the other fascists just because you know you're gonna win. <laughs> you're all gonna win if the fascists win. So I, I like I like that. <laughs> then you have Island of the Idols, which is one which was uh, season twenty nine or thirty nine, which is the most recent one, where they brought back two of the game's most well known survivors, Boston Rob, who who ran a cult pretty much, which I'll talk about, and then uh, Sandra who is the only person to win it twice um, and the only person to have not gotten a single vote in her first run through. Um, and so essentially when people would get exiled to an outside island, they would then go and sit with Sandra and Rob and essentially get co coached on different parts of the game. Um, then you have Ghost Island, which was ridiculous, where there was just so many different idols at play. Because you would go, you'd get exiled to an island. There's a theme here. The entire back half of Survivor is just getting exiled to an island and maybe something is there. Uh, but they essentially took idols that were used badly or weren't used to their full potential and then ended up bringing them back. So like the guy who gave up his immunity necklace to save the random chick who then voted him out. That idol came back into play and it goes really haywire. But that the reason that one is interesting for social dynamics wise is because you end up having so many idols at play that nobody ends up trusting each other on what's being done. And then you still have people making fake idols to go along with it because there are so many that are going on. This also the people who benefited the most from the situations are people who are large, who are huge fans of the show because they knew how those situations had played out beforehand. Then you have Gen X versus Millennials, which is literally just what it sounds. They hated each other. Good. It Fuck Gen X. It was a good season because it was a great season because they hated each other. Like, that's that's it. <laughs> Can't uh, wait for Millennials versus uh, Gen Z. That's going to be a good one. <laughs> so I don't know if that would be as bad. Like, Gen X people suck. But I don't think Gen Z people, as much as they're annoying, are that bad, though. I, I teach Gen Z people regularly. <laughs> It will you be. would hate them. You, you would hate them. I think I might hate Gen X more, though, I guess, from my interaction. Oh, for I... sure. Oh, yeah, for sure. Definitely. Gen X sucks. If you're Gen X, you suck. <laughs> Millennials and Gen, uh, Gen Z versus Gen X and baby boomers. Oh, God. Let's see who wins. <laughs> oh, that's That'd a... be a good one. So I will say, there have been a couple of boomers on this show, and they were actually really fun to watch because this one guy was named Coach Rudy. Or no, his name was Rudy. <laughs> His name was Rudy. He was this really old man who had, like, a military haircut. He was in the Marines formally. And the whole catch that season was you didn't get clean water. You had to boil your water, but they didn't provide anybody fire like they had done in the past. And so everybody's dehydrated, and Rudy is over there just drinking from the well. And they're like, Rudy, they told us you would get bacteria. He's like, I'm 70 years old. I don't care. I'm here for fun. I'm going to go into the challenge drinking water. I would root for him just so he would, like, every time he's on his thing, I'd just be like, Rudy. <laughs> hoping that he doesn't get voted off and like apparently like the producers talked to him to tell him not to do it everybody was worried that he was gonna get some bacteria and he's just a, like they did a super cut of just all just him drinking water from different places on the island because he was thirsty <laughs> that's the fun thing about having old people on the show they don't care um and then you have Edge of Extinction, which what they did was, this was one of the most interesting seasons because you ended up having with two different, two different groups of people 
the main cast that stayed and the group of that got voted out having to build different social dynamics because unlike other seasons if you were voted out you actually got the option to either leave the island or stay at extinction where you had nothing like they didn't provide anything but flint and you had to essentially figure out how to live by yourself you got no rewards you didn't have any challenges you were just there and it would slowly build up numbers and then they were given the chance to come back in the game by competing for spots that were left out um that was interesting because essentially it's the first time you have had people all on the island that long and you had had people have deprived of things for for a, a true survivor amount of time because as much as survivor is survivor they have reward challenges where you can go get cheeseburgers and Outback Steakhouse and Applebee's because <clears throat> they show up and build full restaurants for them. Um, and then the extinction people just literally got none of that. They maybe got a scoop of rice a day. Um, and so that was interesting. And then you have David versus Goliath, which brought in people who were considered Davids in real life and then who were considered Goliaths in real life. So you had like the pretty hot, tall people who were either like really, really rich or really, really like attractive. And then you had the Davids who were like really, really tiny, really, really nerdy, not really good with social skills. And so that bred a lot of interesting dynamics that were going down. Um, who won? Huh? The David or David Goliath now. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, social gameplay, which they ended up winning because everybody underestimated them. Um, that and once they went to the merge, everybody knew that they were taking out the Goliaths. Yeah, that makes sense. So, and nobody felt bad doing it because the Goliaths were all very successful people. Um, and then you have the sheer moments of crazy on the show. Um, and I'm going to talk about one in particular because uh, I actually found a paper where they mapped all of Foucault onto how this guy played Survivor. Um, if you don't know who Michel Foucault is, he's a French scholar who essentially uh, brought in the idea of discipline and how discipline forces people to act certain ways. He did a breakdown on prisons. Uh, he's like, he's a very, very old guy who is now long, long dead, and he's kind of fallen out of favor. But his ideas are discipline and surveillance, how surveilling people will cause them to act a certain way, and how your ultimate goal by disciplining people is to have them have internalized discipline, where you don't actually have to make them act that way. They force themselves to because they're submitting to your dominance. Basically clerks. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, and so I'm talking about this because Boston Rob. Boston Rob played the game multiple times. The first time he actually ended up marrying the woman he made it to the final two with. They're still married and they're both going to be on season 40 because they've both won. Um, they were both right or die. Super interesting. And then he comes back for Redemption Island. And Redemption Island brought back two old players who had made it to the final rounds but had lost. Those two players were then, then had to play the game normally. Essentially, what Boston Rob does is he gets put on a team with mostly women. There are two other guys. They're both fairly big guys, but he's able to convince the women that they don't need them. All, all, he need, all they need is him and that they're just a threat to everything. Uh, so then you end up with people talking about when they lost challenges saying, we lost the challenge today and I feel like I let Rob down. Um, and using that kind of language. 
essentially he would instill paranoia into everybody and he would use this so the one guy that stayed on his team that he brought with him to the end was like this really kooky guy who he ended up like making everybody think was even crazier than he was so that they could trust him and that guy ended up being really loyal and he would essentially create situations where he would make a person on the show feel extremely paranoid and then he would swoop in and be like no no I got you and he replicated that with every single person in his alliance to the point that when it came to just voting people out at the merge the new tribes are like hey we can turn we can get them the people that were in his alliance and the women that were in his alliance were totally okay going home sixth they didn't want to rock the boat they just accepted their fate it I'm was... looking at this dude. How did he talk these people into this? This guy looks like a just crazy liar person. You you really do have to listen to him talk. It's it's he is insane. And are he's... you are you in the cult now? No, <laughs> no, <laughs> no. Well, what I'm saying is like so he was on two prior seasons before this, and you see little hints of this. How, but he does it with like one person or two people or his immediate alliance. And then he ends up doing it with the entire, the entire row. And the funny thing is, is like, he does it through flirting and he does it through all these things. And so like when the show wraps and they bring him back, they were like, was Amber mad? And she was like, no, we have another million dollars at home. Why would she be mad? Um, and I I don't even know. I haven't, I haven't watched the show in years. I want to watch this new season just to see this dude go home. Because I'm looking at pictures of him, and I already hate his face. Oh, yeah. He's a, no. very, he's a very punchable face. Boston Rob is the most Boston person and also, like, terrible. But the thing is, he was really good at challenges. He was really good at puzzles. He was really good at physical challenges. And so he was able to ride that in his first two seasons. And then you end up coming here. And he went as far as when the tribes merged, instilling different eating times. Like, he would not allow the rest of his tribe to eat with the new tribe that came in at the merge. Because he wanted them to keep this us versus them mentality. Like, it was insane. And, like, everybody who's, like, getting voted off that came in are just saying, like, this is a cult. Like, Jeff, are you going to do something? This is scary. (laughs) And Jeff's just like, it's Survivor. Maybe they'll all drink Kool-Aid. I don't know. It's Survivor. (laughs) Drink from the well. Um, Everyone gets a tapeworm. (laughs) But yeah, like I, I would say if you're even remotely interested in Survivor, it, it's the creepiest gameplay, but it is also the best gameplay because this man was so confident in people's like loyalty to him that they went on a reward, a reward feast on an active volcano, volcano. He found the clue to getting an immunity idol. He threw it into the volcano and said, I don't need it. I trust my people because what are they going to do? Vote me out? They're not going to vote me out. And he won. It was the most crazy thing and it still freaks me out. And if you follow me on Twitter every now and then I'll, I'll tweet. Do you remember that time Boston Rob started a cult in Survivor and nobody said anything? Um. So after all of that, the other thing that we have to talk about when we talk about Survivor is controversies. The controversies, which is something you get when you have uh, people do all the crazy things that I just said they did. Um, The first controversy is in the fifth episode of Survivor All-Stars. Richard Hatch, 
who was the winner of the very first season of Survivor, who is a nudist, um, and was nude in challenges, nude on the beach, ended up rubbing his junk on Sue Hawk, who was his nemesis from the first season, uh, when she was blocking his path, which he didn't have to do because he actually had another option to go around. And he was voted out for other reasons that day, but Sue ends up quitting the show in this really big blowout where he say where she says like producers didn't do anything and that she felt violated. And then uh, she considered doing a lawsuit lawsuit against both Hatch and the show. Um, and she talked about it and then she ended up not filing legal action because CBS ended up coming to her side in the situation. And it's also one of the reasons that Hatch has never appeared in another season of Survivor. Uh, the next bullet point for controversies comes from Survivor Cook Islands, which has two very bad things about it. But the first one is that Survivor decided to group the three tribes, or all the tribes, based on race. So you had the Latinos all together, you had the Asians all together, the European Americans, as they dubbed them, all together, and uh, the African Americans. So it was Asian American, Hispanic American, which is what they called it, African American, and European American, was how they grouped the tribes. It did not go over well. People were very angry, and they lost. Uh, they lost Coca Cola, Home Depot, Procter Gamble, and Campbell's Soup. Um, so, so before defended... what we need to do is we need to have them pick teams with all those same people and let's see what the tribes look like. Mm, good point. I've seen enough. Of so, Twitter. well, no. So, uh, so they do uh, in the early seasons. They do actually pick teams, and they do pick tribes. Um, the only rule is that you have to alternate between male and female, so you can't just stack your team with dudes. Um, but it actually, it, all of those end up being really diverse um, when you actually have them do that. Um, the men all get picked first for the most part. Like the, People essentially get picked the way you think they'll get picked. The people who look athletic all get picked first, and then it just goes down from there. Um, but, yeah... So when CBS or when CBS was asked about it, Jeff Probst defended the decision, saying that they did it because of diversity issues that they were having with the show. It was a response to criticism that they weren't ethnically diverse enough. So they said, "We're going to group everybody by their ethnicity." <laughs> they have never done that since. Who won? I don't remember who uh, won that one. Yul, Yul Kwan. Oh, yeah, that's right. And Oscar Lucif was runner-up. I think Yul's coming <laughs> and, back. And Becky Lee was third. Um, so Survivor China, which is the next one. Uh, Denise Martin told producers and audiences that she had been demoted to a janitor from Lunch Lady due to the distraction that she caused her students by her appearance on the show. And because of the misfortune, Burnett, being a nice guy, gave Martin $50,000. But it found then it came out that she lied. And Martin would actually re later recant her story after the school district said she worked for pub uh, she worked for publicly stated that she had taken the custodial position before she appeared on the show. And so she ended up giving the money to charity. Well, that's nice. I remember this one. And then you have Jim Early, who was a user on the fan forums of Survivor, 
who was sued by Burnett and his production company and CBS in August of 2010 for allegedly releasing detailed spoiler information for both Survivor Samoa and Survivor Heroes vs. Villains. Early revealed that he was getting his information from Russell Hance, a contestant of both seasons, through phone calls and emails. Early compiled in the lawsuit by providing such evidence eventually leading to its dismissal in January 2011. Although legal action has has yet to be taken against Hans, the contract for a player in Survivor includes a liability up to $5 million for revealing the show's results. Yes. I won a million, um, but I lost four. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Russell Hans has never won because he's scum. He is awful. You can also look him up. He's awful. But did he put um, a junk on somebody? Am I gonna? He did it. Am I gonna go watch forty seasons of Survivor because of you, Kate? I think that's what's gonna happen here. I'm ta- the people are the best me. part. The people are the best part. A lot of them are pure trash, and some of them are really, really great humans that you just want the best for, and then they get voted off right before the end, or they collapse and almost die. In which case, it gets real sad. Um. Then you have, in the sixth episode of Survivor Game Changers, Jeff Varner reveals at a tribal council, this is probably one of the worst things that has ever happened on Survivor, he outed a fellow contestant, Zeke Smith, as a transgender man. Uh, This ended up causing immediate uproar with his teammates and Jeff. Like, this is one of those moments where Jeff lost it. Um, Rightfully so. And it led to Varner's immediate elimination. So essentially, this ha- what happens is Jeff just essentially goes, "Do we even have to vote?" And he just he just goes because everybody just wanted him gone. Um, the incident ended up getting covered by various news outlets and fans that heavily criticized Varner's actions. And Varner Varner explained himself following the episode's air date and expressed regret on his actions. And he also ended up being fired from his real estate job after the episode aired. Because the main thing that he said was because his head was on the chopping block, he said that they couldn't trust Zeke because Zeke was hiding a deep, dark secret. And then he revealed that Zeke was transgender. Which, this was Zeke's second time on the series. And nobody has the right to say that stuff. And so that was probably one of the biggest moments in Survivor because it was like one of the biggest moments of somebody just being an absolutely terrible person. Um, so yeah, that, that shows you some of the horrible things that happens in Survivor. Um, and it sucked. One of the reasons it also was, it got a lot of attention was the Game Changers season was where they re-invited old players back who had made significant, um, like strategy changes and stuff in the game that stuck past their season. Um, so it was a highly watched season with a lot of people. Um, Zeke took it all in like really really good like not not good stride but like he dealt with it and he ended up kind of coming to terms with it but fun fact about Zeke he actually is dating um Mateo from Superstore or he was as of the finale of uh I think it was season 39 because he was in the crowd and that was really because he has a happy ending but the guy yeah Varner's trash he also will never be invited to come back on because of that um then you have, uh, before per- the premiere of David versus Goliath, contestant Alec Merlino <clears throat> posted a photo of himself on, on Instagram with fellow contestant, contestant Kara Kay containing the caption, F it, 
and the action broke Merlino's NDA agreement with the show and was constant. He was he was consequently stripped of all appearance fees and banned from the live reunion show. Due to this, um, because he lost everything, they didn't make him pay the five million dollar penalty. And I also think it was because he didn't reveal any like really big information about the show. Um, they just took all the money that they would have given him. Now, finally, we get to season 39, the Island of the Idols, the most recent of the terribleness that has happened with a contestant. Um, and this includes contestant Dan Spilo, who was issued a warning by producers for inappropriately touching fellow contestants, including Kelly Kim. Uh, contestants Elizabeth Beisel and Missy Bird came under fire for their misuse of the situation for a strategic tool. Um, and they ended up voting out Kim later. And the moment has been criticized by various news outlets because of how Beisel and Bird use the situation. So essentially, you have people weaponizing somebody who was genuinely made uncomfortable by saying, oh yeah, I was touched too, or oh yeah, he was terrible, and they like run with it. Um, and so in those episodes, it's really freaking hard to watch because you have one contestant who had a legitimate issue and something that was seen on show, like they showed her talking to producers. And in the early episodes, you can see where they're having those instances. And the producers asked her what they wanted to do. And she said, I had, because she talked to him twice, like essentially telling him to stop it. And that's in the show as well. And so the producers let it continue. Um, eventually what ends up happening, um, after Basil and Bird apologize, um, fellow contestants Lauren Black, uh, and Aaron Meredith also apologize. Jeff Pro, CBS, and MGM released a statement about what happened and the production team's reaction as well. So, uh, they maintain that they handled it well. Kim also maintains that it was handled well by production because they had those conversations. Um, then... Dan actually ends up being removed later in the game after episode 12, um, which says that there was a report of another incident that happened off camera and didn't involve a player. And we don't know anything more beyond that, except that Dan is the only person in Survivor history to ever be pulled from the game for conduct reasons. Um, and so Spilo later issued an apology to all involved for his behavior uh, after the finale's broadcast. Because of the incident, the season's finale was not shown live, but instead was from an earlier live-to-tape recording, the first time since the live finale format was introduced. Further, CBS and Survivor announced that they will revamp the show's rules and production to focus more on earlier detection and prevention of this type of inappropriate behavior and strict penalties for castaways that engage in it. So, yeah. Um, from my understanding, the off-camera incident that didn't involve a player, um, I think it came out, and, and I have a link to the NBC News, um, it was because he was previously accused of it, and it ended up evolving into something a lot larger than the show, and people criticized the show for not doing thorough background checks um, on those instances, which is why they're revamping their rules. Um, the next piece of controversies is also So the actual controversy of controversies? Yes, the controversy The actual bad stuff? Yes, the actual big bad uh, things that happen. 
Um, so during a reward trip in Survivor, the Australian Outback, Colby Donaldson removed coral from the Great yep. Barrier Reef, which is what I referenced earlier that I feel would make you very mad. Oh, I already knew this. I was just waiting yeah. for it to get here. If I said destruction, same... you just said that doesn't count. I was like, no, it's destruction. Yeah. And on the same trip, a helicopter, a helicopter involved with the production flew around protected seabird ro- uh, rookery- rookeries. Both acts violated Australian law, and the incidents could have resulted in up to $110,000 in fines of Australian dollars. Mark Burnett, the executive producer, issued an apology on behalf of Donaldson and the Survivor production team. Um, and then you end up with the other survival impact, and I had to kind of dig for this because it, it was stuff that I knew that had happened, but I had to actually go onto the Survivor Reddit to figure it out because they had it all, like, laid out because reddit saves the day um i'll link to it in the show notes um so the compass challenges as well as other challenges on the cook items weren't cleared properly by the the authorities of the cook islands and it had lasting effects on the islands being used and because of the survivor was banned from using the cook islands ever again because they mm-hmm. greatly interfered with the environment and they didn't have approval by the people in charge uh in vanuatu uh vanuatu ended up being unhappy with survivor for not cleaning up challenge equipment and then essentially um the pearl islands they also ended up setting a pirate ship on fire as a part of production in the middle of the ocean that caused issues um and then you also end up with issues in palau and cameroon because of the large amount of filming done, it's uh, see, the it was done from both the international editions and the U.S. editions, and they've ended up phasing them out of being allowed to use it because of how much impact they've ended up having on the environments there. Um, yeah, essentially, like the biggest issues are leaving pieces of equipment behind, or leaving challenges behind, or just leaving a lasting impact. And so it's kind of, which is one of the reasons why all of the recent pieces tend to happen in Fiji, because for whatever reason, Fiji loves them. Um, yeah. Especially on small ecosystems like islands, they don't realize you picking up rocks, are you putting stuff there, moving this and that can have giant effects. Yeah, so that was one of the things that they did institute. So they started, instead of, so when Survivor first started, you would have to cut down the trees and bamboo with machetes to make everything. Now what they do is they actually provide the shelter materials. Like, they won't provide the ones you need, but they will put bamboo on the ground just for you to pick up and use so that you don't have to cut down areas. Um, and so they've started implementing more ways of kind of being more sustainable, but it's still people on small ecosystems. Um, but the worst things are just also, like, uh, I do know, and I couldn't find the source, but a lot of people were talking about about it. Um, there's limits on what they can actually hunt and fish as well, because they were they I mean they killed squids and stingrays, and in some air in, on some islands that was okay because it was they they had a large population. It would have just been like if inhabitants of the of the surrounding islands were also fishing there, but then you had other instances where you have sharks and other things that you shouldn't really be killing. So now people have to be prepped on all of that. Um, 
Matt, would you like to say anything else on bad environmental impact? I'm just not surprised. I mean, but, I mean, that's... What do you want me to say? It's 20 years. We're going to keep doing this. I mean, I'm glad they got better, but I already knew they'd been banned from, like, a lot of stuff. I knew yeah. about the Great Reef. I knew about the sharks and the turtles stuff. Um, and I will say a lot of, like, the early stuff... A lot of, like, the really bad stuff were in the early years of the show. It isn't an excuse because it still happened, but they have stopped doing a lot of it. Um, it was just funny that they, like, literally said, hey, let's go to this island, and you all just start cutting down trees, and nothing will happen. You know, let's yeah. grow right back. Like, nothing happened. Like, what? Yeah. Um, then you end up with what people end up calling essentially like this, the show, like kind of failing with, with viewers in future seasons. Um, so Rupert Bondman, a contestant on Pearl Islands and All-Stars was extremely popular with television audiences, but he ended up finishing eighth and fourth respectively in his appearances on the show as a part of a special on the All-Stars reunion, a contest for 18 players was created where the winner would be selected by the viewing audience to receive a million dollar prize. Bonham unsurprisingly won the prize. Like Rupert's also amazing. He's probably one of my favorite people um, with more than 80% of the votes cats for him. Many fans of the show saw this as a way of diluting the overall concept of the show, but instead of outwitting, outplaying and outlasting your fellow tribe mate to win the game, a player would now have to specifically just gain popularity. Um, in 2001, Stacey Stillman filed a lawsuit claiming that producers interfered in the process of Survivor Borneo by persuading two members of her tri tribe, Sean Kenneth and Dirk Bean, to vote for her instead of Rudy. Um, then you have the selection process for the 14th season ended up coming under fire when it was revealed that the entire cast of Survivor Fiji, only Gary... Gary Straitsky had gone through the application process and everybody else was recruited. Propes defended it by saying they needed to do it for diversity reasons. And then you have um, contestants that did not make the jury in Survivor Cameroon were not allowed on stage on the reunion show. While Jeff Propes claimed that the new stage could not accommodate 18 people, the format change was panned because of the show's Fans and fellow contestants felt it was unfair to be left out of the audience. Aaron Reichenbach, who finished fifth, did not even get a chance to speak at the reunion and called out producers for their treatment of contestants. And then, kind of like I already mentioned, a lot of fans are just really mad by how many idols are getting given out because you're having contestants who feel few drama finding them more and more frequently. And then it, it, it's becoming very apparent that production is interfering with not only voting processes, but also in helping people get a leg up on the, on the, on the competition itself. Um, and then when it comes to how real is the show, uh, vote tampering does happen. Uh, uh, like I mentioned with Stacey Stillman. And then in another incident, Lauren, who did not vote at the tribal gathering, um, Jeff, Pro Jeff Propes found that there was going to be a tie. Jeff read all the votes and announced the fact. No one noticed that there was not an 11th ballot. And no one of the contestants noticed that the one vote was missing. So that's probably one of the, like, you can't tie with 11 people. Um, I mean, I guess you can, but. You can't. Well, no, because she could have voted for another person, essentially. You could have had oh. five and five and then one, but that didn't happen. Um, so there is no script for the show, but it is coached improv. Uh, so essentially, like, the contest, all the contestants scheming and everything is them. They do it on their own. 
Um, the contestant, but the contestants are pre-screened very heavily to find people who look good on camera and also uh, essentially fit certain stereotypes. And then it's extremely edited down. And then in one-on-one interviews, the one-on-one interviews are often with producers who will ask pointed questions and either plant seeds in their heads for them to kind of enact things or get stuff stirred up. Uh, so it's all them doing it, but they are being manipulated by producers because that's what happens. Um, and then you end up with scene reenactments. So if a better shot is needed of a situation, Mark Burnett, the show's executive producer, admits that scenes end up getting reshot in order to get this better footage. So while the thing, the, the thing did happen, like say somebody falls or the challenge goes on to 12 hours and somebody comes off, if they miss that and they need something else, they will find a body double to come replicate what just happened. Take with that what you will. Adrian, you want to be a body double to go fall down? Uh, seems like that messes with the integrity of the game, but, you know, I'm not Jeff, yeah. so. <laughs> and then in some cases, uh, contestants on Survivor actually have their clothing hand-chosen by producers. So the show's producers will portray them as, as stereotypical as they can, and one of the most notable ones is John Cochran, who is one of the most famous fans to have ever played. Um was a Harvard Law student, and so he was tapped to be the nerd, and so they put him in a sweater vest, um, and he had never, ever worn that in his entire life, and he's talked about it. So then we have, so once, then we also have, like, the shocking moments that have happened, and I have links in our show notes that have full list of these, because there is a lot. Um, we've already talked about one of them, which was the dead grandma. The other one was where contestant on, it wasn't Af uh, Survivor Australia, so the second season, fell face first into the fire. And he ended up running into the ocean to put it out. Um, in Survivor Cow Rong, two interesting incidents happen. In one challenge, three contestants pass out. Like, back to back to back, and they end up being short medical staff. And then you have a person actually has a worm crawl in their ear. Uh, and then you have, there's a boat accident that also happened on David versus Goliath, where it ended up to a player being ejected for the game uh, for medical reasons, because on impact, uh, he ended up shattering, or not shattering, but slipping a disc in his back that made him unable to play. Um, when it also comes to injuries, there has been about five different people who have had infections, oh, seven people who have had infections on the show, and about four or five of them actually had to be evacuated and taken to seek medical treatment because of how long they let the infection go and they each of them faced or were were facing amputation um none of them have lost a limb but they did um and then yeah essentially fans i mean we've been going on for a while but the fans are also a huge part probably the biggest but why though um there is now a survivor college edition that started out with Survivor Maryland. Uh, Survivor Maryland has over 13 seasons on YouTube, um, as well as its own subreddit. And this is essentially where college students replicate different challenges in a college environment. And then, of course, you end up with different types of charity work that Survivor ends up doing at the end of each U.S. Survivor season. From Africa onward, various Survivor props and memorabilia are auctioned off to charity. The most common recipient is the Elizabeth Glazer Pediatric AIDS Foundation, and most recently proceeds have gone towards the Serpentine Project, which was a charity founded by Jeff Probst that's dedicated to helping people transition, transitioning out of the foster care system upon emancipation at 18. Um, and then season, season 20, or season 40, 
celebrates 20 years. Um, it will be bringing back 20 of the 38 unique winners of Survivor in the past. They're all putting them on an island. And they're gonna, they, they go from between seasons 3 and 37, and they're playing for $2 million. And that's pretty much all we know. Fan favorites like, um, like Amber and Boston Rob and Sandra will be there as well as others. And I'll link to that. And that's it. That's all I got. That was a lot. I like Survivor. I have a problem. <laughs> Obviously. I could also never do it because I can't swim. I would love to try, but no. <laughs> uh, I guess, yeah, final thoughts. Um, I've seen you watch this lots of times. I will never watch this. Um, it's still interesting that people are fascinated by this, um, but I can see why. Um, it definitely has a lot of information. It's definitely done stuff. Hopefully they clean up all of the things that have happened. And uh, no, it should be interesting to see when you decide to binge it again on what happens. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, for me, whenever we do stuff that like I'm not sure if like I want to watch, I like go through it and see if I want to watch it, and I want to watch after this. So I think episode <laughs> successful. Um, some of these people are insane, and I want to see them like with my own eyes. So I don't know if I'll binge forty seasons, but I'll probably watch like this new season and just kind of go from there. I was like, if you want, I can give you like a cheat sheet on crazy people, and you can just watch the crazy seasons. Yeah, that that'd be great. Like <laughs> in the show notes, and just give us the crazy people, like the. Can you, can, I'm surprised we don't have an article for that yet on the site. Oh, that's like, actually a good article idea. <gasps> I should do that. Okay. Yeah. Um. Yeah. My final thoughts are that I have been watching this show since it was live on TV when it or when since it initially came on in 2000. It was something me and my family did. It was something that we loved. Um. And in another two years, I will probably go back down the rabbit hole and binge them all again. Uh. I love the show. I don't really like what it stands for at all. I just like watching trash. And these people are giant <laughs> human trash fires. And it's great. Um, but it's good TV. And I think everybody should tune in at least to this most recent season. Because it will have some of the most notorious players and the winners. Um, which puts them all on equal footing. Uh, but yeah, so with that, you can follow us at PC on all of our social media. If you'd like to support us a little bit more, head on over to patreon.com slash PC, And then you can go ahead and find me on Twitter, where I will probably be yelling about season 40 of Survivor at OmaMithRandir. Adrian? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at SuperReach93, S-U-P-E-R-R-U-I-Z 93. Matt? I'm going to go look at some plants. <laughs>